I invite you to remain standing for the reading of the word. And if you ever wondered, we stand for the reading of the word, especially the Gospels, because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. That's why. So the first scripture reading this morning is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And the reading can be found on page 785 of your pew Bible. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As they went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And the second reading this morning is from the book of 1 Peter, a letter, chapter 3, chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and the reading can be found on page 984 of your pew Bible. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Brothers, beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that though they may malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. When I was a little girl, I had this little tote bag my mom had sewed for me. I loved it. I, I don't know if I have it anymore, but I looked even for some images on the internet of some of the fabric it was made out of because it was so cute, but you'll have to imagine. It had elephants on it, little illustrated elephants, and there was a larger elephant and then a smaller elephant behind it. And the smaller elephant was using its trunk to hold on to the tail of the elephant in front of it, and it said, don't follow me, I'm lost too. <laughs> I didn't really get that as a kid. I lived as a, in a family that would often talk about following and my parents would say, don't be a follower, be a leader. And I think though what they meant was really not don't be a follower, because I think we're all followers. I think was that what they meant was don't give in to peer pressure, don't follow foolishness, that's what they meant. They certainly didn't mean don't get a mentor, right? We might follow a mentor, that's good. Or don't have wise heroes you look up to. No, that's a good kind of following, right? Because I think 
that fundamentally, all of us, all people, because we're social creatures, we're all followers. We follow ideas, we follow people. It's not whether or not we're followers, it's who or what we follow. Who do you follow? What do you follow? That's the question. And we could summarize our part in God's mission, which we've been talking about this fall. This is the final week on this topic. I think we can summarize our part in God's mission in two simple words. Following Jesus. That's it. Follow Jesus. What does it mean to be part of God's mission? What does it mean to participate in the action and activity God is already doing in the world? Following Jesus. That's it. And this is really a biblical idea, and, a, and, a, and it comes from a Bible story. So let's look at how we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, got this idea to begin with. So, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has been preaching in the small town of Capernaum. This is the sermon. Repent, turn. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And people are responding. And one day, Jesus walks over to the local lake that the local folks call the sea, but really it's a lake, you can see it here. They call this lake the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus walks along the sandy lakeshore of this lake, and he sees two brothers out in a boat fishing. Now, it's likely that these two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, they're not strangers to Jesus. They've heard him preach. They were present at this wedding that got really famous because a weird thing happened at the wedding. The host saved the best wine till last, so everyone heard of it. Simon and Peter, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they were there. And so here they are, back at work in the local commercial fishing industry. They're really hard workers. Their skin is probably way more leathery than ours because they're outside all the time without any sunscreen. And their eyes have this perpetual squint because of the reflection from the water. They're really muscular, and their hands full of calluses from grabbing those nets that they use to catch the fish. And I did mention they're fishermen, right? So there's a smell, kind of a muddy aroma of freshwater fish. And these nets, these nets that they're throwing into the lake, they are huge. They're 25 feet in diameter, and they're fitted with lead weights, so they sink to the bottom. And Simon, Peter, and Andrew have thrown this net out, and it started to sink. It's filled with fish, and they are in the mid-hole pulling it up, and they hear, Simon, Peter, hey, hey, Andrew, I choose you. Come. Follow me, I'll make you fish for people. They look at each other. Peter raises both eyebrows. Maybe Andrew starts to tap nervously on the boat. They know that if they follow Jesus, there is no plan B. There is no backup plan. There is no 401k to use when your other resources run out. There is no community college down the road that you can go to if you flunk out. 
but they're ready. They're ready to follow. The text says immediately, immediately they leave their nets and follow Jesus. And then the story basically repeats itself right away. More beach, more sand, two more brothers. This time they're with nets, but they're not casting them out. James and John are repairing the nets in the boat. Maybe it's a new boat, one they helped save for. They've named her Thunder. She has teak bright work and this copper bell and really shiny winches. They love this boat, and their dad is there in the boat with them watching them repair the nets. They know what they're doing. And then they hear, hey, James, hey, John, I choose you. I choose you. Come, follow me. And they look up and immediately leave their nets. They also leave their boat and their father and follow Jesus. They leave it all like that kind of scene you see in an action movie where the hero is walking forward, blazes behind him, not looking back. That's what it's like. Because for Peter and Andrew and James and John, leaving the family fishing business is a rare and serious commitment. This is their security. This is their future. It's their education. It's everything. And they leave it all, all their former life, at the invitation of the teacher, Jesus. And not only do they leave it at the invitation of a teacher, they leave it at an invitation of a teacher they didn't choose. Because in the first century, just like today, the student would choose the teacher. The student would ask around, listen to YouTube clips of different teachers they liked, read a few pamphlets, talk to a friend, what's the best teacher? What's the best teacher for me? And then they'd go and approach the teacher they hoped to learn from. Can I learn from you? If they said yes, follow the teacher around learning and living together. But this isn't what happens with Peter and Andrew and James and John. This isn't a teacher they chose. This is a teacher that chooses them. Jesus chooses these disciples. He calls them by name, calling them to leave these secure blue-collar jobs. I mean, I mean, these guys are strong, but what kind of teacher would really choose squinty, loudmouth, sunburned fishermen to be his students? I mean, these, these are not Ivy League-quality students, my friends. These are people who talk weird. They've got country bumpkin accents that are recognizable. And I did mention they smell like fish. But they leave it all immediately. Their former life, their work, their dad, the new boat, no safety net, no security, no comfort, no backup plan to follow Jesus. It's kind of interesting to think about what it looks like to leave everything, you know? I mean, I really don't know of anyone who's ever left everything. Maybe refugees, Pastor Simon prayed for them today. Maybe some of them have left everything, but some still do have their family, and they certainly didn't do that on their own volition. They didn't want to. It's not good. Leaving everything kind of sounds bad, and sometimes it is bad. 
Maybe we do know of situations where a person leaves everything, maybe a spouse or children, for someone else, right? It's not good. We, we don't really want to leave everything. What we want to do is gain everything, right? That's why we tell kids, maybe not all of us, but some of us are sort of the culture tells kids to follow their dreams. You can be anything you want to be. You can have it all. That's what we say. I knew someone who had the signature on his email. It said, do what you want and forget the rest. In other words, follow your desires. Nothing else matters. So Howard Hughes, mid-century. Can you move it up? This clicker isn't working for me. Was everything he wanted to be. At the height of Hollywood's golden age, he was everywhere, and he was the mid-century embodiment of someone who followed his dreams. He had it all. Academy Awards, hotel properties around the world, aviation records. He was tall and handsome and incredibly rich. He dated scores of Hollywood's most beautiful women. We see Jean Harlow and Ginger Rogers and Ava Gardner. He was a walking advertisement for what life is like for one who follows technology and sex and money and power. But this path he followed, where was it leading him? At some point during his 40s, Hughes started disappearing into darkened hotel rooms. He closed his curtains to the world and the sunshine and retreat into the screen the movie projector in his room allowing him to watch the same films over and over. The man who embodied follow your dreams now following the film projection, real to real to real. And, and I'm using Hughes as a, a symbolic figure here. He, he might have also been suffering from some chronic pain and obsessive compulsive disorder. But we can see from the Within the first half of his life, he was an icon of what it means to follow one's dreams. But in the second half of his life, he shows us the destination of doing what he wanted and forgetting the rest. His imprisonment in front of the glow of the screen, anxiety his only companion, his spiritual vacuum soothed by opioids, now reads as a morality tale about the kind of dreams our lives can lead to if we're the one writing our dreams. Dreams can easily turn to nightmares when we're the one steering. And this, this wasn't just happening mid-century, right? A couple of you younger folks will maybe know about Gustav R. He was the rapper known as Little Peep and his untimely death two years ago. Gustav rapidly rose to fame by making SoundCloud raps and posting them on YouTube. Rolling Stone magazine said that he was going to be his generation's Kurt Cobain, which for me as a Gen Xer really spoke to me. Um, instead, though, he died two, almost two years ago from a drug overdose, fentanyl-laced pills in the back of his tour bus in Tucson, Arizona in 2017. And from his writings, you can tell that he longed for a sense of happiness and peace. Under a video he posted just the day before he died, he wrote, what is happy? I always have happiness for like 10 seconds, and then it's gone. I'm getting so tired of this. 
I mean, I think what Howard Hughes and Gustav R. should have said was, don't follow me, I'm lost too. And I think this is the problem, my friends. We're all following something or someone, but ultimately we're all lost. And so, and, and in, on top of this, who or what we follow doesn't just affect us as individuals, right? We're social creatures, it affects those around us. We have names for some kind of following, actually. One name that we've given it in our culture is addiction. And when one is compelled to follow something, to be led and motivated and centered on a substance or experience, this is an addiction. And for people who struggle with addiction, they leave all to follow, and it affects their friends and families. Don't follow that. It's lost too. We're all followers. I think we think we like to think we're independent, that we're an island alone by ourselves, making our choices without affecting other people. But that's just not true. We're all followers. Following itself, though, is neutral. It's who or what we follow that matters. So. As Peter and Andrew and James and John leave their nets, their boat, their father to follow Jesus, they are making and taking a humongous risk. What's going to happen, we wonder? Jesus called their names. They followed then what? We can read about these guys, especially Peter, in the gospel writings in the book of Acts. And as we watch Peter following Jesus, we see him making some huge mistakes. Once, after he corrects Jesus' theology, Jesus calls him Satan. There's a lesson for us. But his most famous mistake, which you might be familiar with, happens while Jesus is being tried. During Jesus' trial, Simon Peter is recognized as one of the followers of Jesus, and he says, no way, I'm not a follower of him. And then, when he's recognized again, he denies even knowing Jesus. I don't know the man, he says. And then, when the women who witness the resurrection come and tell Peter how Jesus is raised from the dead, Peter doesn't know what to do. He certainly doesn't believe the women. I mean, they're saying a dead guy's now alive, would you? So he runs to the tomb to check it out for himself, and he sees, the Bible tells us, the, the strips of linen lying there, and he still goes away wondering to himself what had happened. He still doesn't get it. Even after following Jesus all around for three years, hearing him teach, seeing him walk on water, literally, Peter still doesn't get it. But then one day, they're at the Sea of Galilee again. Simon Peter has gone back to his old life fishing. He's with James and John and some of the other disciples in the boat. And it's a bad day for these professional fishermen. After years of experience, no luck this day, nothing, not a single fish, after hours of fishing, not one tiny minnow to throw back. And then there's someone on shore again. It's far away and they can hear him, but the light's still dim. Hey, calls a guy on the shore, did you catch any fish? They are so frustrated. They're like, no, with a groan. And then this smart backseat fisherman from the shore says, 
Well, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll get some? I guess they're like, well, might as well try it. So they obediently throw these giant 25-foot diameter nets with lead weights on them over the other side of the boat. And it is like the fifth day of creation down there. It is teeming. The water is swarming with fish. And there's so many fish, they can't even. All these strong guys lift the nets back into the boat. And then it hits John. It's the Lord, he says to Peter. And not missing a beat, Peter dives into the water, swimming straight toward shore, leaving the nets and the fish once again. Maybe Peter is remembering the first time that Jesus called his name. Same men, same lake. But this time, Peter understands. He understands that when Jesus calls his name, when Jesus called his name the first time, it wasn't just for a day, or a semester, or one year, or three years. When Jesus called Peter's name, it was for life, and life, and life, and life. And the Bible doesn't tell us what Peter was thinking as he swam toward Jesus, but it shows Peter following Jesus, getting as close as he can to the risen Lord, following him closer than ever. Hey, Peter, come, follow me. I will make you fish for people. What would it be like this time you put the nets on the other side of the boat? Can't I do that, Peter? And these people, there'll be so many. It'll be so many, just like the fish. And Peter keeps on following Jesus in the book of Acts. He heals a, a beggar in an instant through the power of the Spirit in him. He stands up before the entire high-class Sanhedrin and tells the story of Jesus. He's filled with the Spirit, and he does crazy things like sit down and eat with people who are so, so, so different than him that he never would have sat down with before in his past life. Peter liked to say he left everything to follow Jesus. I would say he spoke in hyperbole sometimes, too. Peter didn't leave his wife. He didn't leave his house in Capernaum. But he left his former life, and he left the person he had been. He left whatever dreams he'd have, had of being a master fisherman, of owning his own business, of living a safe and stable life in Capernaum with his family, to follow Jesus. And following Jesus, Peter allowed Jesus to change him from the inside out, to change him from a bumbling fisherman into a leader in the church, sent out on Jesus' mission. And all Peter had to do was follow. Jesus equipped Peter for service in partnership with the Spirit in ways Peter never could have imagined. And this is our call too, my friends. When we respond to Jesus' call and leave our former lives, God will equip us in ways we never could have imagined. Now, it might not be in grand, triumphant ways every day, but Jesus calls each of us because he wants and desires us to partner with the Spirit's work each and every day, no matter your age or your economic status. No matter your education level, or whether you're from Galilee or LaGrange, Clarendon Hills or Capernaum, 
Each of us are called in a particular way to hear the voice of Jesus and to follow. Last Sunday, when I gathered with Thornapple Covenant Church in Grand Rapids, we heard a mission moment on video from the Cross family in Zimbabwe. Gary Cross is not a missionary. He's a local pastor from Zimbabwe, serving in Zimbabwe. Jesus is calling him to follow him there, and they do right in the heart of the political and economic strife, which is their reality day to day. Nothing like we can imagine here. They shared some of their trials. They only have six hours of electricity a day from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. It's hard to find groceries. There's no more milk in the stores. His wife enjoys baking. She can't bake anymore. There's no cocoa. Sugar is $30 a bag. It used to be three. And while other people are leaving the country in droves, makes sense, the Cross family is staying to serve the church and the people there. Jesus calls. Gary and his family follow. Life and life and life and life. But not all of us are pastors or missionaries, right? And this is good. This is how God carries out his mission in all the world, in beauty salons, in offices, in schools, on the metra, right? This is how God carries out his mission through us. For most of us, truthfully, Jesus is probably not calling us to leave our current work. He's definitely not calling us to leave our spouses or family members that we care for. Instead, Jesus calls us to follow him from within, from within our places of work, within our homes and schools and even the grocery store. So this is your call, my friends. You students, stay-at-home parents, people who work downtown in high-rise office buildings and people whose office is in the basement of their home, people who work inside and outside, people who have five kids and people who have no kids and people who are just starting their careers and people who have just retired. This is our mission together, following Jesus. We remember this each Sunday at the end of the service when we're sent out by the pastor with a mandate, with a job, a responsibility to proclaim Christ in word and deed to a world that God loves so much. This is the life of the faithful. This is the Monday through Saturday part of the week. This is the opportunity that God gives us to partner with him. God wants us to help. That's our privilege and our honor. When Jesus calls us, we're invited and empowered to leave our former lives, our nets, our boats, our pursuit of happiness and comfort and pleasure, and follow him. It is not always easy. It wasn't for Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Sometimes following Jesus means that you will feel like you don't fit in. But this, my friends, is momentary. The Spirit will continually empower us to fulfill Jesus' call that our friend Peter so beautifully wrote about in, the, in his letter that he wrote just a few years before he was executed. We've, I read this earlier in the service. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, 
Live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So two things. First, maybe you are still wondering if Jesus is calling you to follow him. You came here to church today, my friends, and heard this message. Maybe this is the sign you were hoping for. Jesus is calling you to start following him today. So that's whether you've been here for one day or a month or one year or many, many, many years and never made a commitment to Jesus. Pastor Simon will be here after the service and would love to visit you with you about what a life lived in relationship with Jesus looks like. And second, for those of you who've already made a commitment to Christ to follow him, I'm going to close this sermon series with something that Pastor Lars began it with. And it's a commissioning, a blessing for you in the place that God has called you and your daily lives at home and work and school and town and the bike path or wherever you go. That is all God's mission field. So I invite you to participate with me in this prayer of commissioning. And like eight weeks, seven weeks ago, as I mentioned your daily work, if it applies to you, I invite you to stand. And maybe even this time as you stand, you can, if you feel led and would like to try this out, because our spirit is also led by our body, okay? So this is a sign of submission to God. This is a sign of saying, I need your help, God. I can't do it on my own. So as you're prayed for, I invite you to raise your arms, demonstrating that you're receptive to the work of the spirit in your life as you follow Jesus. I'll name the vocations and invite you to stand. And if someone is standing near to you, you can place your hand on their shoulder to help bless them in their work. Okay? So let's pray, my friends. Jesus, you have invited us, each of us, to follow you. And we recognize that there is nowhere where you are not. Because of this, your spirit empowers us in our work. Today, Send us out into the world to confess you, Jesus, our Lord, in word and deed. We commit our work to you and seek your guidance in our relationships and workplaces. Jesus, would you empower each person today who hears and responds to this blessing? Hear our prayers, Jesus. Help us follow you. I invite you to stand if you are a teacher or someone who works in education in any way. As teachers, may your classrooms be places where God's light and truth shines in all learning and where you celebrate and nurture the very gifts and abilities of each student. May you fear the Lord so that wisdom pours from you in every interaction. May we follow Jesus. May you follow Jesus in all you do. Sit down. I invite those who work in business and finance and law and marketing to stand up. My friends, in the workplace, may mutual respect govern your relationships and integrity govern your contracts and finances as you produce useful goods and services. May you follow Jesus in all you do. Amen. You can be seated. For anyone who's a student right now, junior high, high school, adult learners, (laughs) invite you to stand up. Students, 
As students, may your minds, talents, and character be shaped more and more in Christ's image as you use your gifts in the service of God's kingdom. May you follow Jesus in all you do. You can be seated. But anyone who's a stay-at-home or even a part-time stay-at-home parent or any kind of parent who's caring for kids, or if you're caring for other people, other family members, parents, you're caring for your own parents or a family member, stand up. So as caregivers of children and family, may you remember the example of Jesus as he washed the disciples' feet and treat those whom God has entrusted to you as image bearers. May the Lord grant you patience you never thought you'd have. May you find delight in your work, and may you follow Jesus in all you do. You can be seated. So scientists and writers and artists and those who work in trades, I invite you to stand. So as scientists and writers, tradespeople and artists, may your imagination and minds continually be renewed and sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you follow Jesus in all you do. Amen. So those in caring professions, doctors, those who do emotional care, mental care, social care, spiritual care, and any kind of healing, I invite you to stand for a blessing. May you follow the model of the great healer, Jesus Christ. May your work be a balm to those who are in need of healing. May you have the eyes of Christ who looked out with compassion on the crowds of the brokenhearted. May you follow Jesus in all you do. Amen. And for anyone who's retired, I invite you to stand now for a blessing. As those retired from many years of work, may you enjoy the gift of rest, encourage one another, pray for the church here and around the world, and mentor the next generation. May you follow Jesus in all you do. Amen. And then finally, for those who feel, I don't really fit into any category, or if you're between or out of work, or you just are wondering about the work God has given you to do, I invite you to stand if you'd like. And so those who feel in this in-between place, may you hear the clear voice of Jesus, the living stone, calling you to live as a living stone as well. And as you discern God's leading, may you follow Jesus in all you do. Jesus, in all our daily labors, even amidst dull routine or frustrating demands, may we hear your call to follow you. May we never be lost, Lord. May we never be lost because we are following you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Amen.